Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're glad that you're here this morning. Um, before we get into our responsive reading, um, I believe that the rest of the congregation is in the, in the uh, parking lot in their cars ready to come in. We have a downpour at this moment. Uh, there are severe thunderstorm warnings out for right now. And let me just say that in case we do have a uh, tornado impending, uh, that the best place to go in this place is in the hallway inside the, uh, the children's wing. That could be accessed by either one of these doors uh, to the rear. And so that's the best place to be um, in case of a tornado. We're not anticipating that, but we want to be prepared in case that does happen. So that's inside the hallway, inside the, the children's wing there is the best place to be. Uh, but we're glad that you're here today, and we're glad for the rain. Uh, we do need rain, uh, but it couldn't come at a less appropriate time, I don't think. Uh, am I questioning God? No, I shouldn't do that, should I? Join me in our responsive reading as we pre prepare ourselves for worship. We've come from what seems like a whirlwind of activities and overloaded schedules. Now, we're sitting in this place of worship, hoping to be stilled. May we instead get caught up in the hope of comfort. May our thoughts be dominated by words that bring peace. And may our emotions be calmed by your spirit. Amen. Oh 
Please be seated. Good morning. Welcome. We're glad that you're here today. It's a wet day outside. I don't know where that thunderstorm came from. It seemed like just a few minutes ago it was sunshiny outside, but uh, uh, the weather can change very quickly. And um, But uh, we're glad that you're here and safe inside here this morning. And um, we pray for those who are stuck out in there this, this morning as well. We welcome our guests especially today. We're glad that you're here with us and hope that God's going to bless you in a very special way. And and uh, we're glad that you're here as a part of our family, and we hope that you'll feel a part of our family this morning as we worship God. Uh, just a few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. First of all, let me remind every one of our attendance sheets that are on each, each aisle. I'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out and pass it down the row and uh, so that others can fill it out and uh, give us as much information as you feel comfortable with giving us, especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter comes out each Thursday. It uh, gives you an opportunity to see uh, what we have going on as, as far as fellowship and worship ser- services and Bible studies and service opportunities. If you'd like to know these things, then please give us your email address and we'll be sure to get you on the list there. Uh, also, this week, uh, beginning tomorrow, we have Vacation Bible School. Pandemania is about to break out at Community Baptist Church. Um, We have been working hard for this, and it will be here at our church, and four churches in our community will be coordinating together for this Vacation Bible School. We have uh, Community Baptist Church, uh, the First Christian Church, St. Paul's Episcopal Church, and the Presbyterian Church of Henderson County uh, will be working together to collaborate with this Vacation Bible School. That will begin tomorrow at 9 o'clock. So, kids, are y'all excited about that? I thought so. And you're going to bring your friends tomorrow? You going to bring your friends tomorrow? Okay, yeah, some of them are. Please bring your friends and you adults. If you know of children, uh, uh, preschool on up through fifth grade, bring them and encourage them to come tomorrow. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time all this week. Um, also, uh, I hope everyone has received, there's an orange uh, piece of paper. It's a sign-up sheet for our mission trip. If you have not received one of those, there are some on the way out in the foyer there. And uh, we'd like to encourage you to think about coming on our mission trip with us this year. We're planning a trip to um, Atlanta uh, beginning on July the 24th, and we'll be doing a lot of different things, a wide variety of things. We're helping a church get started there, a church plant in Atlanta, a CBF church. Uh, we, we may be doing some uh, construction stuff and probably also some, some soup kitchen type uh, ministry as well. So please uh, sign up if you can be uh, available during that week, the week of July the 24th. We'll probably leave right after church um, on that Sunday and come back the following Friday or Saturday. Uh, Next Sunday is our Fellowship Cafe, so we invite you to come and we have a great uh, breakfast time uh, and fellowship time around the uh, breakfast table at 9 o'clock on next Sunday. And um, maybe I think you have an announcement for our... Probably one of the best compliments you can pay anybody who has anything to do with the church music program, whether you be an instrumentalist or a a participant in any type of music in our church, is that when you leave the worship experience, you leave with the words of a song. Last Sunday, or or last week, thank you, Summer, I left with the words of Be Thou My Vision, and I overheard um, someone, thank you, Bob Crafton, Uh, humming the words of joyful, joyful, we adore thee. There's no better compliment than that, to leave this church building with those words of that wonderful music. How do we get those words in our heart? Well, we've all grown up, or if you haven't grown up with it, you had words on the wall like we have above, but through these wonderful books we call hymnals. We have been using the same hymnal since 1991. Uh, That's a long time to use one particular book. Well, the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship several years ago commissioned the making of a new hymnal, and it's appropriately and ironically called the Grace Hymnal. What a great name for a CBF people to have 
for a hymnal. Um, nothing like the grace of God uh, flowing through us and to helping others than through uh, hymns. We here at Community Baptist Church, and particularly the worship team, uh, want to get this hymnal. We already have the hymnal for our choir, and us musicians have the hymnal, but we want you to have the hymnal out in the, in the congregation, and we also want to procure the resources that come along with this hymnal. So we're giving you the opportunity to uh, contribute to our Grace Hymnal uh, campaign fund. Each book is $20. You might seem that's expensive for a book, but there's lots of resources that come with the Grace Hymnal. There's resources for the children. There's resources for the um, senior adults. Um, there's lots of old hymns, and there's lots of new hymns. You know, there's been a lot of hymns written in the past 20 years, or church music written in the past 20 years that we don't have in our present books. So this is your opportunity uh, to give a hymnal in memory of someone or in honor of someone. And hopefully by this fall, we'll have procured enough of these books and we'll be able to um, worship with them. I, I challenge you to pick these up from me uh, or any of the worship team. Thank you. Thank you, Nibby. And we'll look forward to those, those hymnals being in our hands soon. Uh, just uh, one other announcement. Let me remind everyone we have a church council this afternoon and um, uh, upward meeting. If you'd like to uh, participate in our upward ministry, you're encouraged to be here for that. Um, church council at 4 o'clock and upward meeting will be at 5 o'clock. Um, now let's, let's have a time of fellowship as we stand and uh, greet each other in the name of the Lord. Let's uh, share the love of Christ with one another. Okay, children, come on up to the front for our children's moment. Miss Mary is going to be having our children's moment this morning, so come on up right here to the front. camera no they don't know that miss mary can really get loud when she needs to so they think i need this okay because sometimes when we have to go over church rules again miss mary has to be a little bit louder okay and we want to welcome aaron and alicia and kylie back to our church we're so glad you're here but we've got some new rules so i want to go over those real quick because sometimes if we don't keep going over them we um forget them like keeping our hands to ourselves and never touching another person because we're in god's house and god just does not want us to touch other people is that right and another rule that God has, when someone else is talking, we're not talking because that, pardon? Come here and tell me. I think you had a really good point. What? Because that's disrespectful, isn't it? So when someone else is talking, you look at them and you listen. Right, Hunter? And the last rule... When we get finished with this, are we going to run back to our room? We're going to walk, and we're going to walk very quietly back to our room. Okay? All right, now this is where you guys promised you would help me. I want everybody to look over at that table, 
And we know that, we'll talk about that in just a second. There it goes again. We know that Bible school starts tomorrow, and what do we tell all these people who bought these things out of our, their money to bring here to Bible school? As loud as you can, tell them. Very good. Thank you, everybody, for your donations, and we are gearing up for a wonderful Bible school. Okay, this is the deal. You know why God is doing this today, right? He's getting it all out of the way today, so when we get ready for our games for the next four days, we can go outside. That's why it's happening today, okay? Now, let's see if Mr. Greg's going to help me out here. Is that a no? Okay, that's a no. Okay, we're just going to read what we're going to talk about today. We had it ready for the screen, but you know what? It's too late to do that. Do you guys ever think sometimes that your parents maybe get mad at you for no reason or they yell at you for no reason? Does anybody ever think that? Okay, you do, Jerry? Well, you know, sometimes we need to remind parents of rules. And listen to these top ten rules that parents need to remember. This is what you guys told. And look at this, you guys. A hundred thousand children were asked these questions. And the children were asked what they wanted most from their parents. And these are the top ten things they said. And I'll help you understand these. Number ten rule is parents who are consistent. And you know what? I'm really bad about that. One day I say this, and the next day I say this. Consistent means you keep your same pattern all the time. Is that easier to understand? Okay. Number nine, parents who concentrate on good points instead of weaknesses. You know what? And I think I did that last night. Kelsey was playing ball, and I said, hold your mitt up, hold your mitt up. But she played wonderful. Do you think I concentrated on her good points or her bad points? Uh, I said, hold your mid up, hold your, hold your mid up. So I concentrated on our bad points. That's not good. Number eight, parents who give punishment. Have we all been punished? When needed, but let's don't do it in front of others, especially our friends. Number seven, oh, I know I do this to Jake all the time, and it makes him so mad. Parents who answer questions. Have you guys ever had a questions for your moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and sometimes they were too busy to answer them? Ooh, yeah, I do that all the time too. Number six, parents who build a team spirit with their children. That's fun. We should always have a fun team spirit. Is that right? Number five, parents who welcome friends into their home. Oh, we always have extra kids at our house and that's good. Do you ever have people over to spend the night with you, Jerry? Well, then Jerry and Royce, they welcome friends into your home, right? Royce, you know you have two more kids coming today? Okay, just wanted to make sure. Okay, and uh, let's see here. Number four, parents who are tolerant of others. That means we like having other kids around us and we don't talk bad about other people. We're tolerant of other people. Okay? We're almost done. <coughs> Excuse me. Number three, parents who are honest. How can we learn to be honest if parents aren't honest, right? Number two, parents who treat family members the same. Do you ever feel like maybe mom and dad or grandma and grandpa like you better than the other sibling, your brother and sister? We really don't. We love you both the same, or we love you all the same. And number one, the number one thing that you all said you don't want your parents or your grandparents to do, and I think John and I have done this before too, parents, they want parents who don't argue in front of them. That's the number one thing you guys told us you want our, your parents to do. Please don't argue in front of us, okay? All right, we're going to um, close with a really short prayer, and then we're going to walk back to Children's Church today. Lord, we know that you have brought this thunderstorm, even though it's got our little children a little wound up. We understand that you're doing it because we do need the water.
and Tegan asked us why we need the water and we do need the water for all of our crops and our flowers and our trees. So thank you, Father, for bringing us the thunderstorm this morning. Please be with us next week for Bible school. Please be with all the volunteers from the churches. Talk through us and help us give a wonderful experience to all the children that we'll have in our care next week at Bible school. In your name we pray, amen. All right, walk very quietly back, please. morning. When I accepted this position a year ago, my father told me a story about a minister of music who got in a little kerfuffle, and I wanted to share it with you. The preacher was preaching on the Sunday morning, and he was preaching about uh, the sins of alcohol, and he got a little bit carried away, and he said, if I could, I'd take all the whiskey in the world, I'd throw it in the river. And if I could, I'd take all the wine in the world, and I'd throw it in the river. And if I could, I'd take all the beer in the world, and I'd throw it in the river. And he was pretty proud of himself. He went and sat down. Minister Music kind of shrugged her shoulders and walked up and said, please open your hymnals to 168. We're going to sing, Shall We Gather at the River? So I've kept that in mind when picking out hymns. I would like to take this opportunity to thank my choir from the bottom of my heart for all the work that they've done this year. And I think I've seen maybe half of you here. So while I read your names, if you could please stand. Mary Rye, Lou Williams, Amy McDowell, Jim McElwain, Jim Fuller, Gail Grimes, Christine Cornelius, Cindy Hall, Bob Crafton, John Cornelius, Tim Hall, and I think that's all I've got here, but the other members, Brittany Blanford, Jerry Martin, Mark Hobson, Nora Hobson, Connie Hogberg, Beth Vincent, and Danny Vincent. And let me not forget Jika Crafton, who's been with us. Thank you. You guys can sit down. During this year, I have challenged these folks. I have pushed them. Sometimes I'm sure they went home and just were cursing my name under their breath. But they worked so hard and continued to exceed my expectations every week. I'm sure I've talked to you and I've been caught saying, I love my choir, I love my choir, smiling from ear to ear, and it is absolutely true. I love and appreciate each one of you, and you make my job so delightful, and I'm so glad you are here. Thank you so much. And to honor you, we have purchased new choir folders for you to have. Um, I'm not going to give them to you yet because I'm going to fill them with wonderful music for next year. Speaking of next year... If there is anybody who would like to join the choir, I welcome you to do so. We always need more voices. We would love to have you. Our first rehearsal is on August 3rd. It's a Wednesday night after the dinner and after the Bible study. And we are having a choir day on Saturday, August 13th. We'll play games, rehearse a bit, have some fellowship, and get to know one another. So I welcome you to join us then. Could you pray with me, please? Oh God, you made us to be creative and expressive people, and you have given us the gift of music to give voice to our praise. We sing because you have commanded, sing to the Lord a new song. We sing because it connects us with our heritage and tradition. We sing because it proclaims our faith today. We sing because it gives us new words and music, new ways of praising you. There are times, O oh God, when word alone cannot express what we feel, And in those times of sorrow, suffering, and loss, your gift of music helps us to express the inexpressible. We thank you for those who have given us the words and music of the songs that we sing. And today, Lord, we offer our special prayer of thanksgiving for those who have cultivated your gift of musical expression in our midst, teaching us, leading us, 
comforting and inspiring us, directing and accompanying us so ably and so faithfully each week in worship. Grant them the power of your presence, the sustaining of your grace, and the joy of being found faithful in their service. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Good morning, everybody. I believe the storm has mostly passed. And would you please stand while we read the scripture? We are reading today from Acts 1, verses 12 through 14. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer, together with certain women, including Mother, the Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. Now would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, Jesus our Savior, I pray to you today with thanksgiving for all of our blessings. Thank you for this rain that we needed. Thank you for the blue skies that we will have later. Thank you for this day and every day that you choose to give us. I pray now that you open our hearts and our minds to the words that you have for us today and lead Dr. Tim in delivering them to us. May we always be mindful of what you gave for us. In the name of the Lord, I pray. Amen.
Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who has not spared thy own Son, but delivered him up for us all, and who with him has freely given us all things, receive the offerings which we bring and dedicate to thee, and enable us with all our gifts so to yield ourselves to thee that with body, soul, and spirit we may truly and freely serve thee, and in thy service find our deepest joy. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. A singing preacher, who'd have thunk it?
Maybe one day I'll sing a solo. I'll spare you that. <laughs> uh, thank you, Mary. That was wonderful. There's a story by Hugh Price Hughes titled The City of Everywhere. And in the story, a man arrives in a city one cold morning, and as he gets off the train, he sees that the train station is pretty much just like any other train station, except for one thing. Everybody there is barefooted. No one wears shoes. He notices a barefoot cab driver, and so he says, pardon me, but I was just wondering why you don't wear any shoes. Don't you believe in shoes? And the cab driver said, sure we do. So why don't you wear them, asked the stranger. Ah, that is the question, the driver replies. Why don't we wear shoes? Why don't we? Well, at the hotel, it was the same story. The clerk, the bell hops, everybody is barefooted. And in the coffee shop, he notices a nice-looking gentleman at the table next to him. And so he says, I notice you aren't wearing any shoes. I wonder why. Don't you know about shoes? And the man replies, well, of course I know about shoes. Then why don't you wear them, asked the stranger. Ah, that's the question, says the man. Why don't we wear shoes? Why don't we? And then after breakfast, he walks out onto the street in the snow. But every person he sees there is barefoot. So he asks another man about it, and he points out how shoes could protect their feet from the cold. And the man says, we know about shoes. You see that building over there? That's a shoe factory, and we're proud of that factory. In fact, every week we gather to, to hear the man in charge tell about shoes and how wonderful they are. Then why don't you wear any shoes, asked the stranger. Ah, that is the question, says the man. Why don't we wear any shoes? Dr. Robert Goodrich told this story in his book titled, What's It All About? And then he asked this question. Do we believe in prayer? Don't we know what it could mean to all of our lives? Of course we do. We know about prayer. Then why don't we pray? Ah, that's the question, isn't it? Why don't we pray? My friends, powerful things happen when people pray. Our lesson from the book of Acts today takes place immediately after Christ's ascension into heaven. And as we mentioned last week, the disciples were in a, a, a period of waiting a time of preparation. If you'll remember from last week, Christ said to them just, just before he ascended, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father has promised to you, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so now they were in this period of waiting for this gift that Jesus had been talking about. So the writer of Acts tells us that while they were waiting, this is what happened. He says they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called Mount, Olive, Mount of Olives or Mount Olivet. This was the place where Jesus ascended to heaven from. They went a Sabbath day walk from there to the city. And, and when they arrived, they went upstairs to the place where they were staying. And those present were Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. And then he tells us that they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. I want you to notice how they prepared themselves for the gift of God's Holy Spirit. They all joined to, together constantly in prayer. Now, why do you suppose they did that? What is there about prayer that they knew but that we have forgotten. 
Well, let's begin right here. In their preparation for the coming of God's spirit, I believe that they must have prayed to receive God's power. I mean, think about it. Jesus had given them an impossible task. Before he ascended into heaven, Jesus had given them an impossible task. They were to go to all of the nations of the world and make disciples of all the people. And they knew that there was no way possible for them to do this without God's help. They couldn't do it without God's help. Years ago, speaker Mark Sanborn was on a cruise ship with his wife. This was a new experience for them. He'd never been on a cruise before, so he was curious about the workings of the ship. So he visited the bridge and spoke with the captain. And Mark asked the captain about the biggest seas that he had ever sailed that ship in. And the captain told Mark that he had sailed the ship in seas with 90-foot waves. Well, this impressed Mark. And so he asked the, he asked the captain how he managed to keep the ship intact. And, and the captain told them that while 90-foot waves were daunting, the ship could negotiate those waves quite nicely as long as the ship didn't lose power. If you lose power in big seas in any boat, he explains, you're in serious trouble. Under power, you can keep the boat perpendicular to the waves, but without power, the boat could drift parallel to the waves and could be capsized or swamped. So obviously, you don't want to be in an ocean liner in a great storm without power. And neither did the disciples want to be in a situation where they were asked by Christ to witness about Christ to the hostile nations of the world Without God's power. They needed the strength of God. To accomplish their task. Leadership expert John Maxwell tells about a a sailor stationed at Pearl Harbor in 1941. On December the 7th, Japanese aircraft attacked that naval base. And this man took his position at one of the ship's guns and he fired round after round at the attacking planes. But none of them went down. And that's when it occurred to him that his ship was prepped for naval exercises and not for real battle. And so basically he was firing blanks. To look at him standing on the the deck, machine gun blazing, it would appear that he was doing battle But the truth was that he lacked the important tools to do the job. And I wonder if both of these stories don't illustrate the problem with many churches that many churches have today. We seem to have lost power. We seem to be drifting rather than making an impact on the world around us. We may be manning our positions, but we seem to be firing blanks and we're becoming more like the world than the world is becoming like the kingdom of God. And I, and I wonder, could the problem be that we have quit depending on prayer? A kindergarten class went to a fire station for a tour and some safety instructions and the The fireman was explaining what to do in case of a fire. He said, first, go to the door and feel the door and see if it's hot. And then he said, next, fall to your knees. He says, does does anybody know why you ought to get down on your knees? And one little tyke said, sure, to start praying, to ask God to get you out of there. You know, in a sense, he's right. Because there's a time when, when prayer is the most appropriate response for a difficult situation. So why do Christians pray? We pray for power to do what God has called us to do. As daunting a task as that may be. We pray for power to be what God has called us to be. Which is also a daunting task. We pray for power, not for our own selfish desires, but so that we can fulfill God's desires for us. Joni Yoder 
wrote a devotional for Our Daily Bread, and she, in this devotional, she tells about a friend of hers who understands why we are to pray. She notes that, that most people own a calendar or an appointment book. How many of you have a calendar or an appointment book? Many of you do. Sometimes, like, like me, it's an electronic thing that you keep in your pocket. But we have a calendar. We have an appointment book. And most of us use these items to record details for future commitments. If I set an appointment with you, I will write it in my, in my calendar or put it in my, in my, uh, in my phone. But she says that her friend uses her, his calendar book in the opposite way. You see, he doesn't record each activities until after they have taken place. And here's his approach. She says, each morning he prays, Lord, I go forth in your strength alone. Please use me as you wish. And then whenever he accomplishes something unusual or something difficult, he records it in his diary in the evening. For example, he may write, Today I was enabled to share my testimony with a friend. Or, or today God enabled me to overcome my fear through faith. One day he wrote, Today I was enabled to help and encourage a troubled person. Her friend uses the word enabled because he knows that he couldn't do these things without God's help. And, and so by recording each enabling, he is giving God all the glory. Relying constantly on God's strength, he can now testify along with the Apostle Paul who said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So as you enter a new day, says Joni, ask God to strengthen you. Ask God to use you. And you can be sure that as you look back on your day, you will praise and glorify the Lord as you realize what God has enabled you to do. I think that's a beautiful approach to prayer. Followers of Jesus prayed to receive God's power. And that's imperative for all of us. If we are to accomplish everything that God wants us to accomplish, we must have the power that God has available to us. Mother Teresa was once crossing the border into Israel when a guard asked her if she was carrying any weapons. <laughs> it's a pretty strange question to ask Mother Teresa. I mean, her face was known all over the world, and she was wearing a nun's habit at the time. But she looked at the guard in his eyes and, and defiantly said to him, Yes, I have some weapons. I have my prayer books. The early followers of Jesus prayed for God's power. But I think they also prayed to receive God's presence. You see, Jesus had promised them a gift. He had promised them that, he would be, that they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And they didn't know what that meant at the time. They didn't know what he was talking about when he said that. They would discover that at Pentecost, which we will be celebrating next Sunday. But basically what it meant is that God would be a daily presence in their lives and would give them wisdom and comfort and the ability to do what needed to be done in every situation. Do I even need to say that each of us needs God's presence in our lives in the very same way and for those very same reasons? It, it kind of reminds me of a couple that I read about recently, Rachel and Jim. They owned a commercial building, half of which Jim used for his uh, dental practice, and the other half he rented out. And for 15 years, they had experienced no difficulty in renting out the other half of the building. Uh, and, and they counted on that extra money they got from rent to, to pay their bills. But then they lost their renter. And a real estate agent told them, you can just forget about advertising for a while because absolutely nobody is renting right now. And this was disconcerting for them. So to ease her financial worries, Rachel started swimming laps at the YMCA. And one day when she was feeling especially anxious, she decided to, to pray as she swam, using the alphabet to, to keep track of the number of laps that she was swimming. 
She focused on adjectives to describe God, beginning with the letter A. You are the almighty God, she prayed during one lap. A benevolent God, a beautiful God, she prayed on the next lap. And and then you are a caring, creative, can-do God. And by the time she completed 26 laps, an hour had passed and all of her fears were were gone. She knew that God would provide for them. And then a short time later, a physical therapist called to say that she had seen the for rent sign in the window and asked to see the office. It was exactly what she wanted. And so she and her partner rented the space and Rachel still prays while she swims laps. After all, she says, I've discovered that God's goodness stretches from A to Z. Now, some people would say that that was a miracle. But it's my estim- in my estimation, the miracle was not that Jim and Rachel found a renter. The miracle was that as she swam those, li- those laps and affirmed the goodness of God, she experienced God's closeness and God's love surrounding her. And the point is that if we are a wash in God's presence, then we can handle any situation that life may give to us. And that's precisely what happened with those early disciples of Jesus. They experienced God's power in a magnificent way. They experienced God's power. And it, and it didn't take very long for the Christian movement to become a mighty major force in the Roman Empire. But as with anything good, there was a lot of pushback against this new movement. And and, and in fact, a lot of the leaders of the early church experienced torture and even death because of their faith in Christ. And if they had not felt that God was with them through the power of God's Holy Spirit, there's no way that they could have persevered through all of that. So after Christ's ascension, the disciples prayed constantly. They prayed for God's power, They prayed for God's presence. And then finally, I think that they prayed that they would they would stay in the center of God's purpose. Here's where I think we may fall short as a people of God today. We need to pray that God will keep us in the center of God's purpose. Most of you are probably probably familiar with um, Chuck Colson. He's a former hatchet man for Richard Nixon, and now he's a born-again and thoroughly committed spokesperson for Christ. Colson tells about being in a coffee shop one day with his colleague, Fred Rhodes, and Fred said to the waitress, two cheese omelets, one milk and one tea, please. And then after she left, Chuck and Fred reviewed the next day's schedule and and they had a rather long blessing over the food before it came. And, and when they finished, the waitress was standing there with their food. And, and she asked, hey, were you guys praying? And Colson said, yes, we were. She said, hey, that's neat. I've never seen, seen anybody do that in here before. Are you preachers? They said, no, but they added that they work in the same business. And she said, well, I'm a Christian, or at least I used to be. What happened, they asked, and this sad, nostalgic look crossed her face, and she said, I accepted Jesus as my Savior at a rally when I was a teenager, and and then I went to live in Hawaii, and, well, I guess I just kind of lost interest, forgot all about it. I don't think you lost it, Colson said. You just put it aside for a while. The waitress seemed thoughtful. It's funny, she said, but the moment I saw you guys praying, I I felt excited all over again. And then Fred said, once you accept the Lord, he becomes becomes a part of your life. And you, you can try to turn away from him, but he's always there. He loves you. And like the prodigal son, he always will take you back. Well, the next day they were in the coffee shop again, downstairs in the hotel where they were staying. And they saw the waitress again, and she told them that he, she was joining a Bible study the next day, and she's going to try to find a church to join. She said, I've come back. 
Colson said, until that night, I had always felt awkward about praying over meals in a crowded restaurant. But never again. At that moment, in that coffee shop, as they prayed, Chuck Colson and Fred was in the center of God's purpose. He was doing what God wanted him to do, and that's what happens when Christians pray. And something, some people think of prayer as simply begging God to fulfill our own selfish desires. But folks, let me tell you something. That could not be further from the kind of prayers that were being offered up by those early disciples of Christ. They were praying for God's power. They were praying for God's presence. And they were praying that they may stay centered in God's purpose. And that's what happens when Christians pray. Great things happens, happen when Christians pray. Because, my friends, when we pray, we do have the power of God. And we do have the presence of God in our lives. And we do have God's purpose leading us every step that we take. What more could we ask than that? Let us pray. Oh God, we seek your presence in our lives. And that's why we come here each week. Because you have created us. And your presence is a necessary ingredient for us to fulfill our purpose for being here. So help us, oh God, to not only come to learn about you, but... To truly seek your presence. Show us your way, O God. Show us our way. The way that you have set before us. Your purpose for us. And then finally, O God, fill us with your power. We confess to you that we are by nature religious cowards. We don't feel comfortable sticking our necks out, even for you. Remind us, O God, of those who have gone before us, of those who have lost their lives because they were willing to stick their necks out for you. Oftentimes, literally. In this day and place where Christians are free to express themselves, it should be easy for us to do so. But for some reason, we don't. We are afraid, O God. Give us your strength. Amen. We're going to sing today a hymn of invitation when I pray, number 460. Maybe you need to make this commitment to Christ today. Maybe you've never done that before. And that's the first step to take to have this presence of God that gives us strength and power and purpose. God's presence. That's what it is. That's what gives us that. But we need to make that commitment to Christ in order for that presence to be a reality in us. And so if you've never done that before, we invite you to make that commitment to Christ today. Perhaps you're looking for a church home to be a part of. We invite you to unite with our church today as we seek to be a a church that, that prays and depends on the presence and the power of Christ and truly seeks the purpose of Christ in our lives. We invite you to unite with our church this morning. Or, or maybe you need a special time of prayer this morning. We've been talking about prayer. Maybe you need that. Maybe that's what you need more than anything else today. Maybe there's something going on in your life that that you feel like things are just crashing in around you and you need the presence of Christ in a very special, strong way today. We're here to pray with you and for you. And we invite you to allow us to do that.
God's dealing in your heart in any way, we invite you to come as we sing together. When I pray, would you come? Lord God, as you told your disciples that they would receive power to be witnesses, may we also be sent forth with your power to testify to your saving grace. When we encounter discord and injustice, may we give witness to your peace. When we encounter poverty and brokenness, may we give witness to your compassion. When we come across pain and suffering, may we give witness to your healing and comfort. And when we come across spiritual deprivation, may we give witness to your salvation. We ask that we would be able both to accept the trials of life and do all that we can to alleviate them, recognizing that in you, O Lord, we live and move and have our being. Amen.